The All Black Podcast is powered by our official cloud software partner, SAP, helping our teams in black become the best-run teams in sport. To listen to this episode and all the All Black Podcasts, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Kirofano, welcome to the All Black Podcast, powered by SAP. Awesome pod today, fantastic guest. All Black number 1,056, 72 games for Canterbury, 38 for the Crusaders as well, including three titles. Took his skills overseas as well with 100 games for Biarritz. A player once said to have the best right shoulder in New Zealand rugby. Welcome to the pod, Campbell Robert Johnston from the Hawks Bay, but up in Auckland today. Why are you up here, mate, and what's going on? Hey Randy, thanks for having me. Um, come up here to uh, have a chat with you on yeah. your podcast, mate. Um, catch up a bit because we obviously went to uni together. Hundred percent. So it's always good to see you. A few things we can't talk about there, Campbell. But you know, what's the uh, <laughs> what's the day job like? What's going on these days? You hung up the boots a while ago. What's what's passing your time down in the Hawks Bay? Yeah, so I'm down in Hawks Bay um, working in a, a beverage company, um, Parker's uh, Beverages. We make a range of drinks from soda through to juice to um, canned products to water yeah the whole lot you can put it in a can or a bottle we'll give it a go yeah good when did that kick in was that something you got into when you're overseas or started sort of perking your interest in a business then or is that something you've done since you've got back um it was something that we'd done when i got back with my uh, mate uh, doug speedy um we were both overseas and we came back to new zealand and thought oh we, we might as well try our hand at uh, first of all bottling water um, and then we just uh, expanded into other products and that, yeah. Happy days, and how's it going? Like, there's, um, it's, it's going reasonably well. I know she's been hard work down in the Hawke's Bay lately, and I hope you weren't too affected by what happened with the cyclone, but is it, is it going all right? Are you enjoying it, life after footy? Yeah, no, enjoying it, mate. It's, it's going well. It's always got its challenges, like every business and, yeah. um, and, every, and every place has always got its challenges and, and ups and downs. Mm. Mate, before we get into the life and times of, of Campbell Johnson, a few warm-up questions and, and that we throw to a lot of the guests who come in here. If you hadn't been a professional rugby player for near 20 years, what would you have been all those years ago? Ooh, that's a good question. Off um, the back of the fine education that we received at New Zealand's best land-based university, Lincoln University. Yes, yes. And so I should, should say that I'd, I would be probably have it to go at being a valuer and valuation or property management. Um, failing that, I probably would have looked at um, doing fishing charters or working on a fishing boat, doing yeah. charters, deep sea fishing. <laughs> yeah, you always came at things with a bit of a different angle. I like that. I like that. Mate, three guests for dinner, alive or dead. Who are you inviting along and what are you cooking? Um, well, if I could invite four, that would be a little bit yep. easier. Um, I'd invite my two brothers and my, my sister and uh, – and my and my partner, um, and I'll probably cook short rib and um, and with maybe a pasta, Italian pasta or something. Um, the reason I keep it, people I know, is, as you well know, I have a big stranger danger factor. <laughs> so um, at least I know these people. The conversation will be good, mate. Hundred percent. And is that? Would you say that's going to be a good feed? That's something. That's a go-to. That's something you know to do well. The, the dinner. The dinner. Um, haven't cooked it that often, but I just know it. I liked it. Every, liked it every time I've tried it at restaurants. But um, every time I've tried to cook it, it's it's been a bit um, it's been a bit tough. I work on. I work <laughs> yeah. on, mate. Best holiday and any yarns maybe associated with that. <laughs> um, any holiday is pretty good. Yeah, that's the old cliche. But um, there was a trip. We uh, did a boys' trip to uh, Cuba, and I 
Was, Cuba. Uh, Cuba, yeah. <laughs> and I had to fly through and through Mexico City and I got a, a bit of um, almost hijacked in Mexico City or just kidnapped <laughs> basically. It was uh, – yeah, don't don't take unmarked cabs. When they tell you not to take an unmarked cab, that they actually mean it. Like, right. Yeah. So you were given that information beforehand, but chose yes. to ignore it. CJ? Yes. Yes, so. I was given that information and then chose to uh, disregard that and uh, think that I knew best. And obviously, it turned out I didn't. And um, we, uh, the guy, the guy was he was nice enough. He let me go. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but we got to the, ho- the ho- where he was meant to be dropping me off, and um, he um, got a little aggressive and and um, and and tried to take off. But I uh, jumped out of the car and. <laughs> right. Okay. Was he trying to hustle for a bit more cash or something? Yeah, on he's those trying lines? to hustle. Yeah, he's trying to hustle for a bit more cash, a, a lot more cash, and, and um, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't having a bar. And fortunately enough, my. Suitcases were uh, um, didn't turn up in Mexico, so they were going. They were somewhere lost in in the airspace. So it was just basically me having to jump out of the car and and get on the ground and hotel security or do there. a genuine runner, not the old uni runner, a genuine runner. Yeah, yeah. Cab. Well, I was actually I was sort of helped out of the car as well because because the hotel security came out and and he tried to take off and I pulled the hand handbrake on as hard as I could. <laughs> And um, so he couldn't, so he sort of stalled it and then hotel security was all out there. They were sort of dragging me out. Everyone sort of had some guns out and I was just, you know, just basically crawling (laughs) into the hotel and just peeking over a couch. And what I could work out was that there was a lot of Spanish being spoken and um, guns and and things like that. What I could work out was that he must have been having trouble to get the handbrake off again so he could get out of there. So (laughs) there was this sort of standoff. Sort sort of of a mechanical issue. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, well, that's probably why he can't go. They're telling him to move it, you know. Right. And, uh, you know, he he finally got it off by the looks of it because I could see him sort of like pushing the button and trying. (laughs) I was like, oh, no, this has not gone well. But all in all, a good holiday. Yeah, great holiday. <laughs> Started off a little rocky, but yeah. it got better. Cuba, put it on your list. Yeah. Mate, bit of footy stuff. Favourite favorite All Black growing up? Any spring to mind? Um, yeah, I, I probably, Sean Fitzpatrick was one that was oh. I always, you know, looked up to and, and, and thought he was pretty pretty awesome. Um, yeah, so it probably would have been yeah. Sean Fitzpatrick. Love that. Mm. Mate, heaps of footy um, for you over your career in all sorts of different parts of the world. Uh, best opponent you've come up against? Um, yeah, the best, well, best and most challenging opponent opponent in in a lot of fields was um, a French guy called Sylvain Marconnet. Um So he was a French prop, um, played a huge amount of games for France, and is a legend over there. And um, yeah, he was one of the toughest opponents. Like just for the niggly stuff he'd do yeah. um, prior to the scrum or after the scrum. Like he just had a habit of just you know, you know, standing on your foot so you couldn't get yeah, away, and then yeah. you look like you fall over or something. Or he used to yeah, he used to do a lot of real niggly, real what you could assume is you know, French play to to, yeah. to get there. And he was, but he is a great guy, mate. I love that, and we'll get a bit more into that later on because scrummaging, propping. It's just a genuine one-on-one aspect of rugby, isn't it? Which I love. We'll talk about that later on. But um, 
worst roommate over the course of your career and why? There's probably been numerous roommates um, in years of playing in footy teams. Anyone stick out as a shocker? <laughs> um, no, no, no one stuck oh. out as a shocker. But, you know, that's quite funny. I say that maybe it was me that was the shocker. Like maybe it was, <laughs> I was the bad roommate. You know, you, you, the old saying, if you can't, you don't know who the clown is in your group, then it's probably you. Like, it might have been me. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, well done. Haven't thrown any, anyone under the bus there. <laughs> Last warm-up question, best piece of advice you've ever received? Does anything spring to mind? Um, yeah, the best piece of advice I ever received was just about determination and just always, if you've got a goal, just keep be determined to achieve it. Yeah, yeah, yeah mate, you've it. absolutely lived by that. And, mate, let's get a bit into into your rugby career. Like, as a sort of joke before we got on the podcast, it's I haven't seen you in 20 years, mate, and, and your career started before that, so, you know, wow we, but... Was it all, um, was it a sporting family, brothers, you know, playing footy in the backyard? Did it, did it look like that or did it look different? Like, what was it like for you when you were growing up? Yeah, no, it was um, exactly like that. Like, probably hundreds of thousands of other Kiwi blokes. Like, you, you, you grew up and, you know, if you had older brothers, you played against them in the backyard or, or you played against them in, like, on the farm. Like, we, I grew up on a farm, so we were lucky. We had a paddock, you know, just outside the house. And, and Dad had done the, the standard fatherly thing where they, you know, erect the uh, set yeah. of posts for you. I think he had um, aspirations of, of, of one of us to be skillful enough to be a kicker or something. <laughs> but um, that soon all went out of the window when he saw our... Uh, uh, abilities it was like oh no they just like hitting things <laughs> <laughs> just like the contact yeah how good and there was I mean you you took your skills were you, were you always a prop or or you know you know dad was obviously trying to get you kick, to kick a few goals in the early days or, or was it did you play a number of positions before you set into what is maybe the most specialist position in rugby yeah so I I started off as a, a flanker uh, number eight more so um <clears throat> Obviously, and when you're five or six, you don't really have a position. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I was the number eight for most of my um, my um, years up until when I was about about fifteen. And um, a, a teacher of mine called um, Grant Gilbert at, uh, at the college I went to, Lindisfarne College. He um, he kind of suggested that. Uh, I wasn't going to get any taller and, and wasn't going to get any bigger and you need to be quite big to play number eight. <clears throat> and I think he was just more being polite and basically <laughs> trying to avoid the, the actual real thing that you need actually a lot better skills to be a <laughs> number eight. And so he said, so um, he handed me a, a pamphlet or is it, I think it was a, the Rugby World magazine, I think it, it was, and um, Jason Leonard, the yes, um, English yes. prop, had written an article on, and or they did a feature on him about how to scrummage, and um, uh, Grant said, well, you know, take that home and have a read and see what you think, and I had a read and um, loved it, and uh, Jason Leonard became my new favourite player, and, um, and that was it, and I just ran with it. <laughs> Mate, absolutely did, became a great prop, and... and you're a Hawks Bay boy, as you've already outlined, uh, but in the end, you know the majority of your rugby, or a huge part of your rugby career, is down in Christchurch, down south. What dragged you down there? Because I've no doubt that the Hawks Bay and the Hurricanes and people like that probably wanted to keep you in the area. What dragged you down to Christchurch, and and um, you know, in the end, was such a significant part of your rugby career. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I as a kid, I had a, I, I always liked Canterbury, the the, the team, um, and also. Auckland, you know, I mean, everyone likes teams that are winning, it's, it's, you know, and that, and um, I I was never really a, a Hurricane fan, and I guess that was 
more so the fact of how the rugby union sort of s- split it up yeah. and, and things like that. It was always seen as where I, in, in Hawke's Bay as, as the Wellington Hurricanes. So there was never really that, that emotional connection. And I, for some reason, I just had felt I had more of a connection and, and a love for Canterbury. And, um, and again, Grant Gilbert comes into this conversation again because he was from Canterbury as well. And he um, knew a couple of people down in Canterbury in the in the rugby um, halls there, and 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 got them talking to me, and um, and the rest is um, in history. And I and and I wanted to go to Lincoln Uni as well, and so um, that was um, that seemed like the uh, perfect perfect idea, and yeah. it was, I think. <laughs> Mate, good days, weren't they? But like, there must have been a challenge because you're almost. Not quite at the start, but you're in that early days of professional rugby. You know, like when you're down in the mix there, you're trying to get a degree, and I'm sure that was a priority as well, trying to enjoy yourself, right? You're trying to play footy with your mates, but then also probably over time you're starting to realise, oh, I'm okay at this, and I'm starting to make a few teams, and, and um, you know, there could be an opportunity for me here. When when did sort of it start to get into your head that you could make professional teams, you could be an all-black, it could be a job, and how did you balance all that stuff? Because, like... Um, well, I was no good at footy, so that doesn't matter, but the, the point being... You know, I'm sure a lot of young fellas would have struggled with that, um, but you actually managed to, um, you know, from a distance, felt like you were able to balance all the different things that were on the plate back then. Yeah, from a distance it looked like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was probably, I tell you, it was like a duck on water with you, but he paddling, you know, you're bloody paddling away and you're just underneath, there's so many things going on. But, um, you're right, and I I think the easiest way and the way I managed it the most was just by communicating, like just talking to my lecturers, talking to um, coaches, talking to you know people, just having a plan and outlined of, of and structure and um, and time management and um, you know I, I don't want to um, <clears throat> um, bad any uh, university students at the moment, but we all sort of know you've got quite a bit of time on your hands. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know you could fit in a few things. Yeah. <laughs> hundred percent. And I mean, that brings me to another point, Campbell, like you did manage to get, you know, the odd extracurricular activity in there, maybe one time to do with a former US president. Do you want to <laughs> give us a little bit more detail on that? Because it's a story I partly remember, but I remember you telling it so well on numerous occasions. I, I prefer to hear um, your version. Yeah, well, that was when um, <clears throat> Bill Clinton popped into New Zealand for a brief visit Um I can't remember what his visit was about, but um, there ought to be something. And um, and my flatmate at the time, George Wallace, he remember we were watching, we were watching. I think it must have been the morning show, or the news, and and you know, it must have been around ten o'clock. You know, another very busy university yeah. day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> and um, we saw Bill Clinton was at the um, in Christchurch, and um, they showed they showed a picture of. Where he possibly was, or you know, they were filming outside, and, sure. and George and I were like, oh, "We know that that's the uh, the old art centre." So we jumped in the old uh, the the Kingswood, you know, one of those big old um, Kingswood, uh, you know, six cylinder things, you know, make a lot of noise and yes. petrol guzzlers, and we roared off and down to the art centre, and we're like, "Oh, it doesn't really look like much is going on." We sort of just um, parked up, and then next minute the uh, the old motorcade turned up, and um, George and I were out of the car and we were walking around having a look at the motorcade and all this and then the motorcade takes off and George is like, quick, jump in the car, we'll follow them. And we jumped, uh, jumped in and we roared off and followed them and they went round the block and parked again and we sort of, you know, sort of drove past them slowly and parked again and then the, um, 
Motorcade did something. It was I think it went to do a U-turn, if I remember, like to come back the other way because it couldn't carry around. So these these cars were doing this U-turn, and and as they were doing the U-turn, they needed like a couple of points because they were the big um, American Chevys, um, Chevys, and that the yeah. big Utes, and they needed to do like a five point turn or something like that. And and George and I, I and, and myself thought, well, we can just whip round and. In one turn, we'll just do a big turn, and we turn in, and then we're just stuck right in the middle of the motorcade, and going along, and sirens are going off, and got told to pull over, and then um, as we pulled over, a couple of vehicles just come and sort of pincered us over and shut us off, and we're like, oh, this is <laughs> this hasn't gone very well today. Might not be at uni this today. We might have to give today a miss, and uh, we had to get out of the car, and it was a complete. Um, Dust down and a search and a, background checks, background checks and everything. <laughs> and we had, oh, we had all sorts, you know, in the car, like just all sorts of just junk, you know. So they were, it was your student's car, so they were just looking at it, just going, oh, do we have to search this? Do we have to go through this? It's just too much. So and then they just told us to go home. Yeah, <laughs> twenty-four hour home detention. Yeah, twenty-four hour home detention from the Secret and, Service. That's not bad, mate. Not many can yeah. say that. Not no, many can say no. that. Yeah, we had to stay there until Bill was uh, out of the province. Mm. Mate, rugby was humming though. It was going really, really well. Um, and there's been a number of good periods for Canterbury and the Crusaders over the years, but you're a part of a, a particularly good period. Um, was that a pretty special environment to be in? And, and the front row club can be a really tight one. Um, it must have been a great place to learn your craft because, as I remember it, the thing you were known for was you're a technician. You're a scrumming technician. That's what you were known for was your ability to scrum, you know, have dinner off Campbell's back, it's that flat and strong, all that sort of good stuff. <laughs> um, you know, was... Did you love it? You know, or what are the highlights of, of being that environment down there? Because to go from a few years earlier from the Hawks Bay, but a first 15 footy into a standard Lincoln University environment into, you know, one of the best professional rugby environments in the world must have been pretty cool, but also steep learning curve. Mm, yeah, no, it's, as you said, it's, it's a, an amazing environment and, and, it, and it still is and it still brings back, you know, goosebumps when you actually walk into Rugby Park after all these years, you still just feel the same environment, the same atmosphere, the same culture um, <clears throat> and it's built around like just honesty and, and brotherhood, like it's, it's yeah. just, you know, it's a family culture, everyone's, you know, aware and caring of, of, of each other and, and there's just this, there's this real drive and passion and desire to be the best and it just it's just one of these unique places where you just know that you walk in that there's this this absolute desire to be the best and if you're not trying to be your best or you're not trying to help others to be their best then hey there's, there's really no room for you there's no room for being selfish in that you know in that um in that uh in the in the, in the crusaders and and that's just one of the you know one of the fantastic things about it Mate, you um you weren't a huge prop, you know. You're a strong guy, but like you weren't, you know. Cons- and when you think about, you well, know, that's why I had to be so technical. Pro, pro, yeah, <laughs> pro rugby, international rugby. There's some huge units going around, particularly as the game professionalised. Every now and again, you did whatever it took to hit the right numbers. Um, <laughs> do you want to elaborate on that at all? Or yeah, yeah. So um, so yeah, I, as you said, I was I wasn't I wasn't massive, and I was always struggling with my weight. Like I was. You know, at a time I was probably only weighing like 104, 105 kilos. Yeah. Um, and some in your opposition would be 115, yeah. 120, wouldn't they, guys yeah. that you were having to mark? Yeah, and especially when you were coming through the grades, if you weren't like – we had this – you know, every coach has this ideal um, ideal 
um, image of what his, yep. his front row should be and, and what weight, you know, based on stats, his weight and everything like that. Yep. So they had this, and I always struggled with my weight, and it hindered me from getting game time and trials and that. So I developed a little strategy of um, hiding weight plates on me. About I would hide about four kilos of weight plates on me. Well, actually, it was two and a half, two and a half each side. So I had uh, five kilos of weight plates. And because you know they ask you to take your shoes off and and your um your your heavy clothing and that off, but you know you, and you hop on the scales and. I mean, I'd be 104, then I'd miraculously be 109. <laughs> I was like, and they'd be like, "Oh, that's good, you know. We'll give him some more game time." And then one one day at the academy at uh, the at Canterbury, I was, I think it was around, I oh, know, must have been 19, I think. And uh, yeah, I was flirting with Andrew Milne. You remember yeah, Milne? Milne? Yeah, I do. Yeah, he was a huge man. And um, so <clears throat> Milne was my flatmate, and um. He knew I was struggling with weight and everything like that. And um, I jumped on the scales, and it was Andrew Hall who was the fitness trainer or the um, academy guy, and I jumped on the scales, and he was like, oh, good stuff, you know, you're now uh, 110, well done. And I was like, yeah, good, good. And Milne in excitement was like, oh, good stuff, CJ, and came up, and he was just, you know, sort of play fighting. But as he was play fighting, the weights fell out. One <laughs> fell out and dropped and hit my foot, and I was just like, oh, no. And then I looked up, and then Hori was like, what the? And I was like, oh, he said, get back on the scale. And so I jumped back on the scales and I lost two and a half kilos. And then I must, because I find it hard to, like, I must have had this, this look on my on my face and he was like, he said, is there more? And I was like, oh, yeah, here you go. Here's the other two and a half. And he was just like, what? And then we had a big meeting and, and sit down and planned out all this, this eating program, which was just <laughs> to get me back, to get me up to 110. And, and, and it, it all worked. And I finally actually put legitimate weight on <laughs> instead of uh, false weight. <laughs> well, mate, you certainly held your own no matter what weight you were, you know, you three super titles, like <clears throat> playing in finals in 2005 and 2006, which is the quite famous fog game. Um, you know, anything, any best memories from those times? You know, obviously great to be a part of winning campaigns, but, um, you know, it's a pretty special group of players you're playing with as well. It was like DC and McCaw in the early days and, you know, some guys who have become, you know, sort of posters on the wall at the gym at the Crusaders, you know, it must have been great times and great memories. Yeah, no, it was. It was, it was awesome times, awesome memories and, and, you know, made lifelong friends there and, and, and um, I keep in touch with a lot of them. Um, I, I think the just the, the whole time was pretty special, you yeah. know. Like, I, I, I don't think we had a bad a bad time, you know. We, we did lose games, but... As 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 I said, like the atmosphere and the culture that we had within us, and the d- desire and the drive, and all collectively knowing the same path, is just something really, really special. It's awesome, and I know I just wanted to highlight um, a couple of games, or just going to going to Africa a little bit as well, which is not something um, you know the guys <coughs> do anymore um, mm-hmm. at, at a super level, which is which is maybe a little bit sad. I understand the reasons around finances and that, but um, it always was. I always was had a bit of FOMO, really, with the boys coming back from trips from Africa and the stories that they had. But firstly, on the rugby side of things, um, lost to the Bulls, I think, in 2007 in a semi. They were at the height of their pay- powers sort of through that period. And, like, they love physicality, <laughs> scrummaging. They are more than 110 kgs or oh, 104 yeah. without <clears throat> the weights, mate. You know, like, yeah. they are seriously big units. Like, huge. was that almost for you um, one of the biggest challenges you faced in rugby is going to those cauldrons and playing those huge African men who who loved the physicality, loved the set piece. Like that would those would be games that you'd really have to 
um, get yourself in the right frame of mind, surely. Yeah, no, you're right there. I mean, they were, they were enormous guys. Like, you know, none of them were <clears> – <throat> and none of them were, you know, under six foot. They're all, you know, at least six foot two and up. Like, yeah. across the board, that was the incredible thing. Like, we had – Guys like myself that are you know under six foot and and that and but they're just all over six foot two and just enormous men. You just wonder like how are we going to deal with this and yeah. but you know it's it's the old saying and just is you know sheer determination and, and guts and the bigger they are the harder they fall and um you, we just you know just everyone had this drive to just keep going but unfortunately in that game that you mentioned we um we lost there and and that was in um. Um, Lofters, uh, which yeah. is the um, their their home ground, which is just incredible. That's intense. Another experience. <clears> hey? Yeah, yeah. Driving driving in is an experience on its own, but then getting into the stadium and coming out and just seeing the people, you know, they call them the blue bulls and that. But driving in on the buses, they're all lined up on the streets with their bras and and all that, and they're all just chanting and you yeah. know banging the bus. <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny because, like, even all those people are huge people as well. Like, yeah. they're, they're <laughs> just smashing meat. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful country. It's pretty cool for uh, if you want to put weight on it. You should have stayed there more and just ate steak all day. And yeah, it's, it's fantastic. But also, a similar theme with around you not listening to instructions while traveling um, is you know, like you do need to when you're going out and about in the hotel because they love their footy and, and it's a um, you know, at times can be a dangerous country. Was that something you took on board or was that, or did you just you know, had to crack yourself? No, 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 definitely took that on board um, in that, that country. And uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, we still went out, you know, and and, um, and saw the sights and that, but um, it was definitely in, um, in, you know, in groups. You didn't, you didn't kind of go out on your own and, and, and that just for the nature of what, the, you know, some of those cities are like. Um, yeah, but... Um, you had always had the same security guard was it when you when the crusaders would go that you became good friends with cj yeah yeah no we did um yeah yeah he was um he was he was he was pretty awesome um we used to call him the uh the polar bear um <laughs> yeah he was a really interesting guy really interesting like he'd done um special ops and special service and i think his um his expert field was, um, I think, human tracking. Oh, my um, God. And which he, he was actually good at it because, you know. You, like, went, you went for milk every now and again, didn't you? And like when you probably shouldn't have gone out on your own, yeah. you probably had to track you down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a couple of times where, you know, on the um, back in the day where, where the boys who weren't playing on that uh, weekend would go out to uh, a bar or something and then, um, you know, some players would, would, would drift and, and that. And But uh, old Cuban, he would, he would find you. Yeah. He would find you and give you a little tap and go, oh, that's the wrong way, my friend. We need to go back this way. Like, oh, yep, right. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, good. How good. Took his job seriously, mate. Mm. Like, you're in the mix there. When did you start to think that maybe the All Blacks was was a chance? You know, it was. I know it's probably always been a dream, but when did you generally think, oh, hang on a minute, there's, there's some squads being announced soon, and and you know, I might be a chance. Um, I guess when I. Really started thinking. Well, yeah, as you said, it was always a dream. So you you always hold on, you know, hang your hat on that hope and that desire. But um, I guess really was when the um, the trial teams were named for um, okay. in two thousand and five, um, and because I was sort of um, sharing starts with um, Yoda and Dave Hewitt and that, and we're in and out and in and out, and the Crusaders. So you know, you went went having consistency and and starting every week. Um, and so, but then when they announced the trial teams, it was like, oh, okay, well maybe I maybe I have got a chance. <clears throat> maybe this is this is my opportunity. 
Mate, how good. And and you did make the All Blacks. And do you remember, you know, when your name was called out or how you were told or like like how that was done? It always seems to be a little bit different every year or for different players. Like, can you remember when you found out that you were All Black? Yeah, so um, basically it was after the trial and um, I think, if I recall, they had everyone, all the players that were in the trial in one room and then they just made the announcement <coughs> of who was um, who was in the All Black squad and said, like, you know, this is just to the players, it's not public, we're going to make the announcement public, so you have time to tell your, um, your loved ones, but that's about it, um, don't tell anyone else, so you, yeah. So that was how it, and it was, it was pretty exciting, yeah, I was, I was um, yeah, but... Um, Mate, you're always, you're always pretty humble, pretty low key, but you must have been pretty pumped up inside. Like that was, it was yeah. pretty cool, eh? Yeah, it was. It was, you know, it was, it was a you know sheer excitement, like you know, a dream come true. Like it was, you yeah. know, that that one goal, that one desire that I've been trying to, and you know, hiding weights and <laughs> doing things like that, and and having protein shakes at like midnight, and uh, yeah, setting you know. the alarm to to eat, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it sort of paid off. You sort of like, okay, well, this this is working. Oh, they were right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and mate, do you remember getting your first jersey? You know, like knowing, I know it's probably one thing to be called out in a squad list and be like, right, okay, how good? But actually putting on the jersey, getting on the field, being all black, 1056, like that's when it's the real deal. Do you remember that? Who gave you your jersey, putting it on, going on um, <clears throat> and playing your first test match? Yeah, so um, the that was at Albany and um, against Fiji um, and uh, Basically, was um, you didn't get the jersey before the game, but you walked into the locker room and there was your jersey hanging up. And um, yeah, just that moment is, is is pretty special. I mean, grab it and you you finally get the uh, you know the, the 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 black jersey. You finally get to touch it and you finally get to see it and 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 you know um, feel it and and look at the the fern and everything on it. And, and yeah, it's it's pretty pretty emotional. It's pretty pretty special. And you you know you just have all these memories come flooding back from when you're a kid, when you played with your brothers and and all that. You know, it all just comes flooding back, and you're just you know you're just probably in this whole world of utopia like it's just yeah I could, the only one word I can say was just sheer excitement like just pure excitement yeah mate so good and, and um, you know probably maybe a career highlight like 2005 Lions were here that doesn't that comes around for a Kiwi once every 12 years um, and you got to be involved in that which is pretty cool and also maybe even more so because you know teams from the Northern Hemisphere are renowned for their scrummaging you know it's something they pride themselves on and they always bring down some players um, with a lot of skill in that department and you were selected for that series and probably just to be it was awesome that series wasn't it like they, mm. they come down with all their supporters they take over the country yeah um, and fortunate enough that the the All Blacks in that series played particularly well as well yeah I mean yeah that yeah, as you said that series was just incredible because I think the um, <clears throat> the thing that even made it that series bigger is because they were they were using the Lions tour and the Lions were using it as well. Both Lions and the All Blacks were using it as like a, a, a pre build up to the you know, the World Cup of, of hosting, you know, doing things and like like that. So it was it was geared up, can, you know, New Zealand, you know, handle this yes. influx of visitors and what we're potentially gonna host in a, in, a, in you know a few more years. And so you know they, their supporters were incredible, um, and as you said, the, you know to test yourself against the British and Irish Lions, you know it's just, you know it's, it's, that's it's the Jason Leonards and yeah. it's that sort of crew from exactly. There's yeah. the uh, you know the people that you you've read about and 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 studied it and tried to learn off and 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 that you know they're coming down to, you know, you get to have a go, show your craft. <laughs> oh mate, 
hundred, but you must. Uh, I don't know if you reflect much, but you know, one to be in All Black is great. Two to play against the Lions. You know, there was DC, there was Richie, there was Tana. You know, some some pretty um, awesome names in New Zealand mm. rugby history and legacy. So, you know, that's got to be. Do you reflect? You know, like, do you give yourself the time and and um, to look back and go, geez, that was I was a part of that. That's pretty cool. That's that's a hell of an achievement. Um, yeah, I, I do sometimes. Yeah, I definitely would. In your and, quiet places, CJ. And, you yeah, know, in, my, in my quiet place. Yeah, yeah, just uh, yeah. No, I do. Like you do see, it. and when you know you, or when especially when they're building up for another, you know, the Lions are touring, or or you, you know you hear something that the Lions are doing, you do you, you, your mind drifts back and think, yeah, shit, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, mm. good on you, mate. The All Black Podcast is powered by SAP, who pride themselves on running the best run team. CJ, can you think of a match or a moment that you would consider your best and the elements that created that? Um, um, a match, you know, I a match that really sticks into in my mind, and and this is probably going away from what we've been talking. Well, you know, we've been based based around in New Zealand, but a match was was Barrett's versus Bayon, and this was the local derby. Um, and, and they love it, eh? Oh, they love it, and we played it in Spain in, in San Sebastian oh. in the Anueta Stadium there, which holds like 65,000 or something like that. And the stadium's sold out, like one side's blue, one side's you know red awesome. and white. And and just that, the the build-up to that game and just the the um, the passion that the crowd shows and then the passion that, you know, your teammates are showing, like it's a real – it's a real doozy of a match, and yeah. like it's it's hard and it's it's physical and and you know it's 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 really back to the um, the the blood and guts of, yeah. of rugby and True. and the referee gladiatorial sort of stuff. Yeah, and the referee kind of turns a blind eye to a lot of stuff <laughs> because he knows it's all about this game and yeah. and which is it's which is really good. Like it's control, but he turns a blind eye to a lot of things. Yeah. And um and that's what gives it even more of a, a real edge. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, that that yeah, those sort of a state of origin sort of vibe <laughs> where they just <laughs> yeah. go at it. Yeah. yeah, because both both teams hate each other. Yeah. Like they really hate each other and both towns really dislike each other. And they're only like five minutes apart. Wow. Like these Barrits and these Bayon and it's it's five minutes down the road and you're in the other city. It's like it's, it's And you played well, mate? Like you got yeah, the result and you had yeah, a good game we, we and, played, and yeah, the whole got team. shouted a couple of red wines that night. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We did and we yeah, you know, the whole team played really well and we won the game and um it was a it was a real fair dinkum battle, but uh, we won and we we out scrummed them, which was in France was the Best thing ever could happen. Like yes. you know, as a tight head prop, you're either the the town hero or the town villain, yep. depending on how the result goes. <laughs> Brilliant, mate. That's as you're hinting to there. Um, you did make the move overseas, particularly France. <clears throat> Was it a big decision to leave New Zealand when you did? And you know, and why France? Why Biarritz? Like, what drove that decision? Um, and as I said, was it a tough one? Um, yeah, it, it was a tough one. Brownie, and um, more so for the reason because you know how the New Zealand rugby um, uh, rugby uh, fraternity and all that is is you know it's it's a real it's a real you know hotbed of players like players are just you know it's like it's basically like you know a taxi rank yeah there's always another player yes. ready to take your position yes. you get an injury there's just another one to take and you and you know there's so much pressure in that and there was at the time. 
there were other players and there were some there were some two great 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 props coming through by the names of the Franks brothers yeah, and yeah. they were hot on hot on hot on their <laughs> heels and um and um and I I didn't want to play anywhere else in New Zealand. Um, right. I had the chances to either go other franchises, but to me, I just didn't want to do that. I only wanted to play for Canterbury and Crusaders, and if I couldn't play for for them, then um, I'll, I'll look to go overseas. And I had this um, desire to go overseas, and, and France was uh, was the next calling on my on my bucket list, really, because of the um, top 14 and 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 how it's renowned. And I think it still is one of the toughest rugby competitions in the world. And and obviously their love of scrumming and their love of uh, you know front rowers, and um, and and it's a real it's a real test. And so. Um, so I was fortunate enough that uh, Brits um, were looking for a prop, and they um, and they offered a contract, and um, and again we did um, we did we did my agent and I did a little bit of a I wouldn't say a a, a dodgy deal, but um, they, no, we wouldn't say that, no, no. not at all. They because they normally want to fly you over and meet you and show you the club and right. sh- and and really um, wine and dine you, sure, but. We talked and we said, look, if they fly me over and they see me, they're going to see that I'm not that big, and they're going to go, well, we, we want, you know, we, we, we're wanting this all black, you know, um, colossus of yeah, a man, yeah, we're, and we're getting this, and so, so my agency was like, Let, let's just not do that, and, and we just um, say we're busy with rugby and, sure. and and all that, and we did that, and they were like, okay, that's fine, it saves them money, they were happy. And then I, I flew over. <laughs> I flew over on the time and um, to, and signed the obviously signed the contract and then left New Zealand and went to France. Landed in Biarritz and hopped off the plane. I was at the airport, had my luggage, was come out of the airport. It was looking around. It must have been about an hour had passed. I hadn't found anyone. Obviously, I saw these people. They were looking around and they were looking at me. And they'd been searching for this, you know, maybe a man mountain that was meant to walk through the door, but it was me. And and um, <clears throat> and then I sort of walked up and they walked over. They were like, oh, Johnson? I was like, yeah. They were like, oh, you know, Papossi. It's not possible. You know, it's, it's, it's not. Just, you, and they were like looking at their stats, looking at their sheets, going, oh, what have we done here? And even though I couldn't speak French and understand, I, I sort of got the gist of the conversation. I was just like, yeah, like, what? Oh, you know, shrug, shrugging their shoulders. And, and then we went and – to the club and, you know, you know when you, you they don't like you because they don't really treat you that well. They treat you nice, but they don't, you know, go the, all the way to help sure. you. And, um, they, um, yeah, so they did that. And then um, after the first game, I, I must have uh, I must have impressed and, and, and things immediately changed after the first <laughs> game. It was like I was suddenly moved from this one hotel to this chateau was, everything was just uplifted and upgraded and uh the you know i was getting hugs from the president and things like that so so and i stayed there for four or five years so i, I must have done something right <laughs> mate was it a little bit refreshing to go to an environment i'm not saying that we don't do this here in new zealand but perhaps you know often your props multi-skilled he might carry he might be mobile you know some guys are big some were more your shape and and weren't you know these colossus guys that we see up north even though you weren't massive by propping standards was it refreshing to be uh, someone when you play well you're revered the position was revered because quite often that's reserved to the 10 or you know the seven or the captain or the eight or whatever but you know play well um, that your skills were certainly recognized in that environment in France and 
and another question on top of that, as you spoke to earlier, was it almost back to grassroots a little bit? You know, a little bit of trickery and thuggery and cunning and, and all those sort of um, dark arts that you guys specialise in? Did you have to dust off the, um, you know, the notebook make on how to do that stuff? <laughs> yeah, you know, no, it was it was definitely back to the the dark arts there and 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 um, and the stuff that happens on the field was, um, you know, there was um, there wasn't. Um, um, a sighting commissioner, as such, and um, <laughs> footage was um, was 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 never attainable after a game. Sure. You know, there was always a copy of the game, but there was regional broadcaster. Yeah, <laughs> he, he deleted it immediately. <laughs> like you know, to, so the commissioner couldn't go and sight anyone. <laughs> so people got away. And I, you know, just on that note, I had to. Oh, we always laughed as um, foreigners because <clears throat> when we went to play. Because um, it was fine when you played top fourteen in yep. France, because it was French referees, French right. TJs, a French touch judge was was one of the best things ever. Like. <laughs> just jog on. <laughs> yeah. He was just yeah. You know, he probably you know, he just had his glass of wine and he was just oh yeah whatever whatever's going on there stop that oh well, let's carry on. Um, and we would have a meeting on Monday, obviously for to our review, and then we'd have a special meeting on Monday to talk about rules and discipline and what you're not allowed to do if we were going into a Heineken Cup right. game, a European Cup game because there it was all English refs yes. and, and all that so they, they would be listing things like you're not allowed to punch for no reason and then the, and I was like even with no reason you're not allowed you know, even yeah. if there is a reason you're still not allowed to punch guys let's just clear this all up no punching yeah no no punching at all there's no um, you know grabbing people's faces uh, pushing you know all this sort of dark arts they, you know there was real they really pushed it like so you've got to be clean because we you know because they were going to get you know Cited or, or things like that, but yeah, most of the boys when we played European Cup, you know, the things were cleaned up a lot. Yep. Apart from when you played another French team, then it, it all just alone. went back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, and it was, you know, French rugby at the moment going from strength to strength, and you've probably got some really good insights to that. Like, why they're humming so much, and and you know, they, they absolutely are one of the favourites going into the World Cup towards the end of the year. You know. Why they got to that ca- that stage, and, and do you think they'll be able to handle it um, once it gets to the the big stage and the big tournament where they'll be hot favourites? And the gosh, they play the All Blacks in the first game of the whole tournament, you know? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah, I I love French rugby, and I I love the way the French team plays, and and they are they they're looking really really good, and and that somewhat um, in some respects that scares me, and other respects it makes me happy because I you know I tend to think knowing the French that when they're looking really good there's you know their next game's going to be probably their worst game or you know they yeah. might lead up to that way it's just because they're um the, the, the way they are um but um I think with the World Cup being in France and and how much you know especially the south and and, and then how much it's grown in the country and the efforts they've been putting in with their development and and trying to preserve their own um their own for a word, natural players, yep. and 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 bring them through. I think it's really paying off, and and the, and and you know, I, I yeah, I I hate to say it, but I think they're gonna they'll they'll give us a, a good run for the for for our money, and and um, if the All Blacks don't win the World Cup, then I would be um, I'd be happy if, if France won it. Yeah. Yeah, but obviously you want the All Blacks to win, but yeah. yeah. I think it would be a, a, an incredible final if it could happen as France-New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, that would be just 
Because they um, <clears throat> can it happen? I don't think it yeah, can because of the pool not, situation. They get chucked over the yeah. other side, won't they? So I'm not too sure, but um, I should know that. But uh, mm, I should too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know they 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 love their rugby, mm. and you've outlined that a little bit. But they also love the All Blacks, don't they? It's almost yeah. for a lot of French people, it's it's their 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 mm. second team, yeah. their favourite second team. Yeah. So it'll be like for that. I remember being. Uh, at the World Cup in 2007 when they beat us, they're almost apologetic post the match. You know, they're like, oh, such a great game. So mm. sorry, so <clears> sorry. <throat> you know, so they, there's a great respect between the two teams, isn't there? That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, you, you're dead right. And, and that's, and you know, and that's one of the, the it makes it so, so easy to, um, to, to love them. I mean, because there is that respect. And, and, and I believe we New Zealanders also respect and love the way the French play like I mean you know the way they just sometimes just pull these amazing tries out oh, which is what you know what we love we love that play that yes. we, and, and it's just like oh it's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> just out of nowhere they just create something mate it's going to be good isn't it it's going to be go good CJ earlier this year you came out as the first openly gay or black firstly mate what drove that decision what you know um, why now um, well, you know, it was a long time coming and we'd had a lot of people, um, a lot of media asking and, 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 and probing and, and things like that, um, for, for a while. And we'd sort of pushed them away with, you know, Joe Malcolm was always fielding that sort of calls for many, many, many years and we'd pushed them away. And, um, we sort of thought that, you know, we it could help people and, and I was a bit um, probably naive. I, I, you know, it's little old me, it's Campbell. It's, I can't really help anyone, you know. And um, and then we all just sat down with um, Joe and, and Rob, and and we decided that um, that you know this could actually really be beneficial for our game, and 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 and, and um, take away the witch hunt that was there, um, and just open that door and 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 walk on through. And and I was comfortable now. Um, to stand by that, and um, previously I probably wasn't comfortable. I mean, I've, I would have been comfortable to open the door, but I wouldn't have been comfortable probably to stand by it. I yep. probably would have ran ran for the hills. Um, but you know, the old saying that you've got to be comfortable within yourself before you know you can help anyone. Um, yep. And so yeah, we just we decided to do it, and um, yeah, it's it's just adding a bit more it's just been really humbling um the amount of uh uh messages i've received that it's actually helped people and 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 really opened you know people's minds and 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 that and it's um and it's more it's more helped people also in the sense that um there's been people that have left our game you know the game that we all love and and you got to remember that these people you know also at one time, really loved our sport, really loved the mm. game of rugby, and and they had to leave because of you know they didn't feel comfortable or safe, and you know and the message they're sending now is that they're actually looking to come back and start watching and start enjoying the sport that they once loved. So that that's really cool, and I, I think it's 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 really positive for our game. Mate, that reaction and and some of those anecdotes you just given, which are awesome, I love hearing um, you know from the rugby community in particular, but. Did that blow you away? Is that what you expected? Like, as you know, like you say, little old Campbell's, um, you know, telling his story. You know, who's going to listen? But actually, quite the opposite. This has not just gone around New Zealand. It's gone around to rugby communities around the world, and no doubt, probably you have had messages or stories or people reaching out from all of those communities. Yeah, no, you you did right, and and you know me, I've always been quite shy and and strange That's an and understatement. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and 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 doing this, I. I I didn't 
I didn't realize or I didn't fathom that it was going to be this this big. I, in my own mind, said, right, I, you know, I, I can probably handle it. Probably be New Zealand mainstream and maybe Australia rugby community. That'd be about it. And um, Joe and Rob. Um, uh, Joe Malcolm and Rob Nickel all both were like yeah nodded sure. and yeah sure Campbell yeah yeah and they agreed and which was good because if they actually told me what they were th- what they actually thought was going to happen I probably would have you know run for the hills but um, yeah it, it spread around the world like wildfire like we had messages coming back from all over Europe from um, Asia from um, yeah from from everywhere just incredible and the people that were just responding to it and, and the media outlets that were picking it up and running with it was is even more amazing like it, yeah it's CNN BBC the whole lot and and all honestly you know it wasn't it was just little old me and what was actually driving it and what we kind of if you want to be proud of something of, of what the you know New Zealand rugby has done and, and created a brand name so powerful like the All Blacks is is pretty special that 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 brand name the All Blacks drove it like it was yeah. it was because it's such a big um, renowned and respected brand name which is a you know credit to probably every New Zealand rugby player or everyone anyone who's been associated with rugby in in in, uh, in New Zealand like you say, little old Campbell, who could barely get to take a player profile back in the day, has now done numerous, you know, media <laughs> events, and here is in the studio today and speaking extremely well. But also, mate, I ask, it's been amazing for other people, and you've helped so many people. There's no doubt about that in a pretty short space of time. But has it been good for you as well? You know, like is it almost not the final piece of the puzzle, but you know, like it's, um, you know, was it something that now that you've done it? It's been good for you too. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, um, you know, as you said, it's it's been like, yeah, uh, if, uh, for a better use of a word, it's given me some closure. Like, yeah. it's, it's you know, it's finally, it's finally all out there. I don't have to, um, you know, hide from the media or, or just avoid those sort of calls or those sort of prompts or or things like that. It's it's all out and um yeah no and it's been a and it's been honestly it's been a really humbling experience like just uh just the messages that people send and and just the the support and love that, that you know people have showed um yeah so just yeah just really humbled mate now that it's a few months down the track from when you first came out publicly um you know now that you've been able to digest it all a little bit you know what's what's the two or three main messages you actually want people to take away from it? Because there's so much stuff in there, you know, but is there one or two things in particular from your experiences you really love to land with people in the rugby community in particular? Um, Yeah, I'd I'd say like one message is like simply the put is that um, there's no, there's no law or there's no rules about coming out. I mean, you can, you can do it when and whenever you like. And just as long as you, 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 you know what you're doing and you're in a safe area and you've got, you know, um, safety around you with friends or, or whatever. And, and, and if, if, if it's just one person, then it's just one person. If that relieves some sort of anxiety or, or stress from your life, then, then so be it. And if it's just one person for your whole of your life, then that, that's fine. Yeah. If it's, if it's 10 or 20 people, that that's up to you. Like there's no law and people shouldn't feel obliged or pressured that they have to do it but um, if it is impacting on your life then maybe you should consider it and, and, and look at it um, and then the other thing more of a sporting um, avenue is that um, you know your goals are your goals your goals are not driven or determined by your sexuality or your religion or your relate or your race it's 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 
your goals are determined by your determination, your desire, and the effort that you'll put into them. It's got you know it's got nothing to do with the, the that stuff. Your goals will always be achievable if you put enough passion and desire into it. And 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 hopefully with this that we um, open up the area, make it um, you know a lot more safe or, or open for gay athletes to participate and to continue on their dreams and desires and, and, and achieve what they, you know, as a kid, achieve what they once dreamed about and set out and, and you know, and, and, and continue with that. Mate, that's an awesome message. And I know for you, you know, it was never an option not to play rugby, you know, like there was, you, I think you, you did fantastically well in your career. And, and what what's next, mate? Like I know you've been in, been in a, at our old joint, Lincoln University, you know, you've been into Christchurch was high school, you've been into the Crusaders. Is that, um, you know, something that perhaps um, is maybe a bit of a passion now is getting into those environments and telling your story a little bit and, and like you say, um, you know, showcasing that you performed at an extremely high level um, even though you were battling with your sexuality and actually if you accept it earlier, maybe you'll thrive even more. I don't know, like yours is a hell of a great story. Mm. Yeah, no, um, getting involved in a few things with a few initiatives with the um, NZR and with the Players Association, trying to continue on with some of the um, stuff we started there and, and, and just doing small talks and, and um, things around that sort of area um, and working with um, with um, the diversity team there at the NZR with um, Judy O'Brien and and just trying to trying to develop some more inclusivity, you know, with people and and, and awareness really. Um, yeah, that, that's some of the things that we're sort of slowly working on and um, and looking at the um, the Rainbow Games that are coming up in next year in, in Auckland. I'm looking to help out there in some avenue. Good on you, mate. Thank you so much for coming in, telling your story. An amazing career, an amazing journey so far. So still so much more in front of you, but um, I really appreciate you coming up to the 09 to do this. Have a fantastic weekend and, and um, hope to see you around again. Yeah, no, soon, thank CJ. you. Thank you for the time and thank you for the opportunity. It was a um, good conversation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good catching up live on, uh, on, uh, on a podcast. Mate, 100%. <laughs> Cheers, CJ. Appreciate it. Thank you. The All Blacks podcast is powered by our official cloud software partner, SAP. Helping our teams in black be the best run in sports. Hosted by Rob Dunn in the Hargrave Street Studio. Produced by Carl Thompson from Blue and Ginge, the podcast producers. Video editing by Mac Leesberg. Graphics by Western Design. Content advising from Andy Burt. And commercial manager for the podcast is Valeska Hoth. Follow the All Blacks podcast on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube and anywhere you get your podcasts.